Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show where our very own Cousin Mike and the new Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, gives you our thoughts on some of our favorite matches in wrestling history. Welcome to Tyler and Mike's Insights, presented by the Rewind Wrestling Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. It's now episode three of Tyler and Mike's Insights. I am Tyler Peters, joined by my uh, tag team partner and co-host, Mike Beyer, or Cousin Mike. And uh, we're going to be discussing uh, a very controversial uh, topic. It's when Shane Douglas faced two two cold Scorpio, pardon me, for the NWA title. And it was part of that final round of the tournament. So, Mike, I'm going to let you uh, speak. I mean, you were around Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania area. This was early ECW, and you were a big fan of both these guys. What did you think of this match? So, there were three takes that I had from this match. One, when healthy and sober, Shane Douglas is a phenomenal wrestler. Two Cold Scorpio never really got the upper echelon on any card like he's supposed to have gotten because he was such a great athlete. And three, the one thing that I remember about this match distinctly was how abruptly it ended. Yeah. It ended awful quick. But that's also what happens when your finish is the belly to belly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, You know, I didn't even realize that Shane Douglas used that as a finisher. I mean, I'm not knocking it. I mean, I know a lot of people have probably used it in the past, but to me, yeah, I'm, I'm was, so uh, used to the suplex, the uh, like the uh, fisherman suplex that he used. That's uh, that was also Magnum TA's finish. That makes sense. They did reference that. Joey Styles did reference Magnum TA. So I guess they're going following the tradition of the NWA too. So that that was a nice segue to mention somebody that was uh, a legend. It was a shame. I, I know we've talked about it on the regular podcast uh when speaking of the rewind wrestling radio podcast with ted and the other panelists about how tragic that incident where magnum ta that's what made me think about it that car crash imagine how much bigger of a star even now that he would have been and he was already established and getting so over with the audience yeah man he would have been world heavyweight champion oh for sure like that it's kind of like uh and not in like the same lane as like tragic, but like, it's like, what if Brock Lesnar never never left to join the Minnesota Vikings? Like we probably would have gotten a little bit more longevity out of Cena. We probably would have gotten a little bit more longevity out of like Randy Orton and the upper card would have looked completely different. It would have been dominated by Brock. It would have changed a lot. Yeah. Brock uh, staying would have, uh, I think been good, but I can see his competitive side wanting to try things. And uh, Minnesota Vikings, you brought that up, and, of course, going to the UFC. But to get back to this match, uh, this was Young and Joey Styles' career. I I think, man, for him to do a one-man show, I, I know Ted can speak to this and doing commentary, it is so difficult to do. And, I mean, he was doing it all even here in the early days of ECW and throughout. I mean, that's what was uh, so amazing when you're watching these kind of matches. I mean, Joey Styles was – yeah. Go ahead. It was before the obligatory, oh, my God. 
Yeah, it was so much before that where he got over the top, which, you know, people love that for him. That was definitely a, a signature. But I enjoyed this because he, he seemed controlled. He got emotional when he needed to. It was kind of like Jr. early on. I mean, Jr. was great during the Attitude Era, but I, I do miss Jr.'s commentary in WCW and even earlier when he came into the WWE, you know, WWF then. So it's an interesting dynamic uh, and everything. But I'll tell you what, the the incident itself we'll get into, but what do you think about this match? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but add a little bit more context for the uh, the listeners and for those watching. So it was kind of like watching um, Two Cold Scorpio to me is, I guess, the best example of a guy like Will Osprey working in like the early nineties where you don't expect them to be able to pull off like the mat wrestling because they do a lot of the flippy stuff. Right. But, uh, it, he was really well educated in his craft. Um, Shane on the other hand was like the standard, like more traditional NWA traditional worker, nothing over the top. And this is also before they did all the hardcore stuff in ECW too. Like this was right before all that stuff. That's a great point. I did not realize it because everybody just wants to put that stigma on them because they did have that hardcore style. But this is back when they were were resembling more of what you see in WCW and the other companies. Yeah, and like they were moving away from pushing guys that had already been somewhere else. Like Shane had been on other programs. Same thing with Two Cold Scorpio. But they were never the guys, even though they were really good workers. So like... I think like the first like batch of uh, ECW champions were, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Snuka and. Oh, I'm trying to think too. I, you know, Not Snuka was... Bravo, but the other one, the, uh, the one that they used to call the rock. From the Don 80s. Morocco. Don Morocco. Yeah. He was the original rock, believe it or not. And then they also had Tito Santana one or two times as world champ. So they were getting away from those guys because, like, around, I'd say, 93, 94, if, if you weren't working for WCW, there was a good chance that, like, you would end up on shows like these, where, like, it would just be, like, small crowd, like, cities doing, like, the nostalgia run, kind of like what they do now, some of the sure. guys from the thousands. So, like, they were really just, like, this was a big deal because, A, it was a young guy coming in that had been at the top of the card yet and B, like it really just it gave a chance for like a next generation to come up and like i know later on like they had terry funk and everything like that but that was more to get more eyes on the product when they got their pay-per-views and everything yeah because had. who didn't want to see terry funk so it was very smart to your point to bring yeah. somebody like that in with that name recognition and i, I think it provided a lot of meaningful opportunities and I love how you touched on Two Cold Scorpio. We often forget how over he was and how talented. And Shane Douglas, the same thing. So it's a shame these guys didn't have better careers. They they had some good moments and some great matches, but it's it's what I'm getting at is we never got, or excuse me, they never got their just due is what I was uh, meaning yeah. with these two. Like I would have loved to see him Two Cold Scorpio instead of him being Flash Funk in WWE get like a nice Intercontinental title run. Yeah, me yeah. as well. He would be deserving. I could see him filling that role, and even Shane Douglas. I mean, as an entertainer. Shane, yes, champion. and like 
the only time I really feel like he had a clear chance to make it into the upper card with a company, it was a shame because it was later in his career. He was dealing with injuries, and it was when he was on the uh, the New Blood team for uh, WCW. Yeah, WCW, when they did that angle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really is a shame, uh, like you said, that neither of these guys got the uh, – the big push, but you know, credit to Paul Lee. He did see, you know, the talent yeah, going back to that relationship that he saw in WCW because remember, he was Paul Lee dangerously there. Paul always found a way to take as much out of what he had and make it look great. He had a oh, way of making guys just step up and elevate. Oh, Paul Lee's a, a genius, and we're seeing that now with the bloodline, with Lesnar, uh, CM Punk, what he was able to do after ECW. I mean, how is that Stone Cold? Yeah, like, Stone Cold. You're so right. Hey, they never Mick let Foley. Stone Cold talk in WCW, and then you know he's out for a year with an arm injury. What does Heyman do? He goes, "Do you want to air your grievances? Come sign with me. I don't care if you hurt. Just come out here and record promos." which led to one of the greatest promos ever in the history of wrestling. It did. That was the, the forerunner to that whole Austin 316 uh, movement. I mean, you've got to credit Paul Lee and ECW and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin himself, the talent, uh, for pulling that off. Uh, the match, though, I'll tell you, Too Cold Scorpio was an early innovator, a creator of offense. He proved, you know, he's not only coming off the ropes, but he could do that chain wrestling. He, he approached it very uh, classical. And I, I liked how both guys started when talking about the franchise, Shane Douglas and Too Cold. I mean, the Philly crowd was not as hostile at this point either. That's something I noticed. They were a little bit more laid back during this era. You could tell, to your point, uh, the early days of ECW under the NWA umbrella. Uh, but... There was just so many great uh, segments of this match that I, I found myself interested. It wasn't going 90 miles or nothing. They paced themselves, but the spots that needed to uh, build up to were just wonderful. So, uh, I mean, what's your takes on that? It's very much the same type of style match that Jimmy Snuka would wrestle. Or not Jimmy Snuka. Um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat would wrestle. And... That also comes from Shane tagging with him in WCW. They had a lot of tag title runs with each other. That's true. So, a lot of Shane Douglas's ring psychology was adapted from being around him. So, if you ever watch like any of his like main event matches, Steamboat has a way of having a guy get bored a little bit, and the next you know, twenty minutes go by, and the guy's just sitting there paying attention a little bit more. And a little bit more, and then by the end of the match, they're up on their feet cheering and everything like that because they got all the high spots going and everything. Yeah, they've got the people uh, engaged, and I love the psychology, the uh, slapping between the two uh, competitors, and the way that Shane uh, sold, you know, backing up. That that's what a good heel, and you could already tell who was going to be the baby face and he was going to be the heel, just or at least the way he wrestled, the way he was presenting himself. So I always enjoy that, just the little things. Uh, added so much to a match and a, a storyline overall. I mean, that missile dropkick, everybody talks about Montez Ford, and rightfully so, but you can go back and look at Two Cold Scorpio. He was getting some elevation on those moves. <laughs> Even when he was doing the, uh, what's it, the 450 splash? Yeah, 450 splash. Like that, 
Oh, that was amazing. Back then, guys just didn't, didn't see stuff like that. No, you didn't. I. Uh, that's why it was so ahead of its time, and he deserves so much credit for that high-flying innovation. And he ought to get a lot of uh, accolades for his technical scientific wrestling because it showed in this match. And the same for Douglas. Uh, I love how Douglas told the story trying to keep him grounded, even just staying with the simple story, the basics. But that, that's all you need. And I did not realize that Sherry Martell was once – a manager of Shane Douglas, Joey Styles brought that up and educated me that, you know, uh, Sherry Martell's with Ric Flair and WCW and Mr. Hughes was over from WCW had been associated. I believe he said with Shane Douglas. So a lot of just little details that I always love when you go back, listen to commentary, because it's so important that they're getting these guys over and the stories over. Now, did you look at the rest of the tournament bracket? I couldn't find it online. To be honest, Mike, I did not even go back to look at the tournament. Yeah, if I, I we're going to be transparent with everyone, I did yeah, not. Yeah, I tried to look it up, and I, I couldn't find much info on it. And I was just interested to see who, like, was part of the field that they could have, like, picked from yeah. to win the title. And, like, part of me always wondered what would happen if, like, Shane didn't throw the title down and they just stayed absorbed with, like, NWA and everything like that like what his career trajectory would have been. How it would have altered. Yeah. Because then, like, maybe he would have found his way back into WWE a couple years later. Because I'm sure he probably would have done some work with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, I could see Cornette wanted to work with him uh, to bring Shane in. Because he he was doing that. That actually became developmental before OVW. Not for WCW. In a way it was, but... Cornette uh, began that working relationship with uh, Vince, and that, that's how come he was able to come up and, and do shows. Eventually, that's what got him his role, was the Smoky Mountain relationship. He got Al Snow from him, um, Kane. Yep, Kane. Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Chris Candido and, you know, Sonny, unfortunately, with everything that's going on. With oh, her. yeah, that that's uh, talking about it. A roller coaster ride that's not a positive, uh, but we'll move on. Yeah, but it just—it's just interesting. Like we could also play what ifs and everything like that. But um, I'm surprised this didn't get a five star rating. See, I didn't even get a chance to look at the ratings. You, you've uh, came more prepared, which I'm glad. That's why—that's why you're helping me host this show. I, I think it was like maybe. A, Two, three months ago, I took a look at the five-star rating chart to see who got five stars or more. All right. And it's very heavy with New Japan wrestling. So even then, New Japan was getting a lot of that. It's no, not saying, really a new thing. I mean, I, I, I'm saying for us. They've only, they've only given it out to, like, I think, like, 26 or 27 matches. Hmm. Yeah, very uh, fascinating. But. What you're saying, you know, New Japan, you forget the fans that were so passionate and even those who rated these matches. And I'm not saying those matches didn't deserve it, don't get me wrong, but I am shocked that this match didn't get a better rating because these guys worked hard and they didn't even have to go that long. They got plenty of time, but they were able to get their story, their points across during this match, and it was solid. I even wrote down what a solid contest. I mean, it it was actually more than that. It was a good match. Yeah, and like... I mean, for as great as the star ratings are, they gave Macho Man and Steamboat, I think, a four and a half rating for their match at Mania, and that's yeah, WrestleMania three match of all time. 
So it's like it deserves to be up there, but so does a lot of other matches. As great as that one was, and I, I do agree that it was one of the best with Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. But that's a credit to both Savage and Steamboat, and you you could draw parallels, not comparing them necessarily, but the way these guys worked. I mean, workers in general, great wrestling workers. And uh, Shane Douglas and uh, Too Cold Scorpio qualify. It's just, uh, to me, a shame, and I go back to that word, don't mean to sound redundant, that these guys, like you're saying, Mike, and myself, didn't get that uh, more of that rub, more of that push, as they use these terms in wrestling, to be more of the superstars and the pro wrestlers more people talk about. What would have been cool, too, is if, like, instead of just doing this in the tournament, like, imagine if they had a build between the two. We're like, able to get more story out of it, because with tournaments, yeah. sometimes you got to kind of hot shot them. Not always. It's not that they can't have some angles going that are hot, but it's it's all put together kind of quick. Think about King of the Ring. In a, in a sense, it's kind of like that, even though I, I believe WWE does have a little more time where they can kind of program more story. Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, we, we even see that with NWA having more of the uh, the storyline, but here it's just, it was kind of probably rushed, but still gave us good matches as we're discussing this one in length. And uh, I'll tell you what, was there any other moments in the match that stood out? I mean, them fighting through the crowd is one for me, the, the guard railing, how uh, both wrestlers used it, and uh, there was a, just a lot of good stuff. I can't recall it all, but it, definitely a lot that stood out. I, I honestly think the only thing that really surprised me was the abruptness of the match. How, like, they went so long and everything like that, and then all of a sudden he just hugs them and... It was uh, very fast. It was one of those, like, mental, like, I guess, like, shock and awe you. Like, it wasn't supposed to be a big, elaborate, like, finish or anything like that. It was supposed to be, like, one of those things where it's, like, at a lightning's pace, bam, it strikes. Yeah, that was a goal, obviously, but... You know, if watching it, I, I was surprised, like you, how quick it did go. And uh, let's talk about it afterwards. I mean, that that's what got the headlines, as, as good as the match was. What did you think about that incident? I mean, we got both guys, Two Cold Scorpio and Shane Douglas, uh, respecting each other, cutting promos. But Two Cold said, listen, I'll get you next time. I'm kind of paraphrasing all this. I didn't write it word for word. And then, uh, you know, Shane Douglas mentions all the legends of the NWA, and, and then it's that, that real big hill turn. It's kind of the ECW putting the middle finger all. to yes. NWA. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just throws the belt down. I, I like how he, he, he mentioned Dusty right before and, and, and somebody else, and, and with all due respect, trying to recall who – who it was. I mean, he mentioned Buddy Rogers again, Ric Flair, Jack Briscoe. He said Buddy Rogers was the original nature boy. And then he goes, and then, uh, Ric Flair. And we all know the heat between the two. I mean, Ric Flair has been on record, not saying a lot of nice things about Shane, Shane, vice versa. You know, there's no love loss between, uh, Rick and Shane. Uh, that's evident. So that was kind of clever on his part in the promo to, uh, mention that. And then throwing that belt down, the NWA title, of course, we know he was, or did become, excuse me, the ECW champion. And then they have that video, Dennis uh, Corluzzo, Cornette talks about this a lot, where him and Heyman had a very strained relationship because of it. And Todd Gordon, who was a part of ECW at the time, too, 
and then put the video in retaliation to say that they are behind their champion, Shane Douglas, where Corluzzo wanted him stripped of both the titles, meaning NWA and ECW. And this is where we got where the uh, partnership, the alliance between the NWA and ECW was no more. It was just going to be extreme championship wrestling. So this is where we probably are going to see the beginning of more of that hardcore revolution that we are so used to. The other thing, too, is, like, they didn't want to be under the thumb anymore because, like, it's cool to have your guy in your promotion win the NWA title, but then what follows with that is that he has to travel. So you only get to see him once every couple of calendar days a year. Correct. So, and back then, like, the NWA title didn't have the draw power that it did when, like, Flair had it. It wasn't the same. That that was the problem, I think, that would have hindered them. Everybody thinks, well, it's the NWA title, but you brought up a fantastic point. It it didn't have the reverence. Ric Flair, Harley Race, a lot of the people that were mentioned, Dusty Rhodes had, the Briscoes, the Funks. I mean, the, and, the lineage of it. And, like, a lot of the rules were changing with promotions because of McMahon. So, like a lot of people looked at the style that these guys were running and they thought that it was archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Vince uh, changed the game for sure. I mean, he was making everybody adapt whether they want to admit it or not, but I thought the match was good. It definitely had controversy, but that's what helped add to it because we're still discussing it today. That's what gave uh, us the idea and it's a, a credit to Mike here who selected this match and I'm glad you did. It was rather quick, but Still a very well-put-together matchup between uh, the franchise Shane Douglas and Two Cold Scorpio. I enjoyed it. I did, too. I uh, I thought it was – it's one of those matches that if, like, you're a wrestling fan, you should take time to watch it. Yeah, you should definitely respect it. It's worth the watch, and uh, these guys were working hard. Still had enough time, but I'm with you. It did end uh, quite fast. And uh, I'll tell you, any more to uh, share about this match? Because I know we've covered it. Nope, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think we have too. And I've thoroughly uh, been excited about getting a chance to join you again for another episode of Tyler and Mike's Insights. And don't forget about uh, to check out the social media plugs where you can go like, follow, and subscribe. The links will be in the descriptions. I know we've mentioned them, and we may change it up and mention it again for episode four. But this has been episode three. And, uh, Mike, we, we've talked about some ideas. What's going to be the next match we break down? Next one we're going to break down is Bob Quinkle versus Henning for the AWA World Heavyweight title. I love it. And do yourself a favor. If you're a wrestling fan like Mike was talking about between, uh, you know, reviewing this one, Shane Douglas, Two Cold Scorpio, then Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning, you're going to enjoy just as much, if not more, according to, who you're behind, who you support is what we're alluding to. But until the next episode, and I am thoroughly going to be looking forward to the, uh, the Bachwinkle and Henning match, let's, uh, we're going to sign off and say goodbye for now. Mike, any last words before we leave here? Say your prayers and eat your vitamins. There you go. Hulk Hogan, I'll tell you what. But it's, it's Cousin Mike, and he's got his Kofi... Mania shirt. I love it from that WrestleMania. Well, hey, thank you for joining us. And until the next time, we have talked about in this third episode the famous NWA title match between 
then ECW champion Shane Douglas and Two Cold Scorpio. Bye now.